We see the history and we see the pain and the challenges, not only of the Oringa people, but also of those that have gone. But today we can celebrate knowing and seeing all that God has done. If we stop and think about it, and think about the fact that this people group now has the word of God in their own language. If we think about, you saw peace on the video, the children's ministry director, if we think about the fact that the Oringans didn't have children's ministry, didn't know the need for children's ministry, and in 2012, peace took that first, her own church started children's ministry, and now has children's ministry in 10 churches in that local area. She's trained up almost 50 children's worker, workers in Oringa. She has about 1,300 children in her programs. It's quite astounding. We think um, of the fact of Timothy too, have gone in and have trained pastors, pastors who were probably preaching, or we heard preaching the same message week in, week out, because they didn't know. They didn't have the scriptures. They didn't know how to preach and teach. But Timothy too have gone in and have trained pastors up, not only so that they can preach and teach in their own churches, but then they can teach others to preach and teach, who can teach others to preach and teach. And it has this ripple effect in the area. If we think about the fact that um, thanks to congregation members, the Jesus film has been translated into Oringa, has been used and is being used to have an impact, a great impact in the area. If we stop and think about the Muslims, their hardened hearts being softened little by little because of what they've seen, their their hardened hearts being softened towards the Christians there. It's, it's astounding. We're just thinking about receiving messages from peace. They communicate, started communicating a lot more with peace in these past six months. And um, she's written several testimonies. And just to give you an idea of the things that she is seeing, um, she has her, mission, her kids go on a mission, a week, mission week every year. And she calls her children missionaries during that week. And... Um, One of the areas where they were just blessing the community, visiting the elderly, praying, and the children themselves were teaching, Um, the local imam saw the work that the kids were doing, and he was just so blown away that these children were doing this good work that he invited them to the mosque and said, hey, will you come tomorrow to morning prayers, and will you share with um, with the fellow Muslims about... Um, what you're teaching, what we hear you teaching in the community. So, of course, the kids went and they shared. Um, and at the end, the imam said to all of the Muslims in the, in the mosque, and he said, look to these children and let them be our example. Like, that's astounding. And that's just not one story that we're hearing, but there's several, and now April could speak as well, of several stories where we're hearing that the, rest, the community is just standing amazed at what God is doing in the lives of the disciples um, that the Arab Ringa team, the local team, are raising up. 
So praise be to God for that. Um, another thing is that um, we went in to reach an unreached people group, right? As the, the beginning, when we first went in, when the team first went in, and today they are known as an underreached people group. No longer an unreached, but an underreached. And my heart is that soon that they would be known as a reached people group. Um, and we can stand and know that a good part of that is because of this partnership. Um, but I know, and I know you guys know, that this has not been an easy journey. In fact, it's been a very painful one. That the present success that we see in this area in northwest Uganda, within this people group, the changes that we've seen... The lives that we've seen come to the Lord, all that's been done for his kingdom has come at a cost. And it's been built on the service and the sacrifice of others. I think um, maybe my husband's in here, but one of his favorite quotes is, if I have seen further than others, it's by Isaac Newton, you may know it, um, it is by standing upon the shoulders of giants. And I just love this thought that the reason that today that we can see and we can see what God's doing and we can see a glorious future for the Oringa people is because people have gone before and have sacrificed and have showed dedication and bravery, have gone in and broken hard ground and have suffered greatly. Um, today, I would love to honor, I know that we have, um, um, we have Eric here and Holly, um, and I'd also like to honor Reed and April, um, their parents as well. If you guys would like to, just wouldn't mind standing, um, we can give them a round of applause. And we, we join with heaven today in, in honoring you guys. I know that it went out in, in 2000, in the year 2000, and in, it was in the year 2001 that um, Reed and Eric were both shot during a burglar, burglary. And um, if it wasn't for their bravery, we'd unlikely be here today. And I just, I know that the Oringans... Um, honor you and remember that and your, your sacrifice. Um, I believe that the airstrip there is even named after Reed and Eric today. Um, and these guys went in and almost lost their lives yet chose to go back, took a trip back um, to show their love and forgiveness for the Inwinga people. That is just huge. Um, so thank you. I know that the Oringans remember, and we too take time today just to say that we remember your sacrifice and we honor your sacrifice. And we recognize that all that we do today, um, we wouldn't be there today if it wasn't for, for you guys going in and others and, um, and just sowing into the people despite the dangers and despite the pain. So thank you.
We also remember this morning um, Warren and Donna Petz, whose lives were taken in 2004. Um, I'd like to ask Miss Peggy Laney um, to come and join me for a few moments. So Peggy, brave soul that she is, <laughs> um, went to Aringa in 2010 knowing that we would need, that we needed to address and change some of the ways that we were ministering in Aringa. So she went on her own as a woman and, um, and met and saw the work that was being done and investigated and we owe a lot to Peggy's bravery, determination that we weren't going to give up on this people group, that we weren't going to quit, but we were going to go. We were going to find a way forward. And indeed, Peggy did find a way forward. Um, so very grateful to Peggy, too, for all that she's done um, in Oringa and for the Oringa people and the way that she's been able to continue that relationship as Myrtle Grove with, with the Oringa people. Now, Peggy, on the video you saw her, she's speaking about peace. Um, and speaking, um, I'd like her just to speak. We have a team on the ground that we support now in Oringa. And just to share briefly about this incredible team that day in and day out are serving in their own local community. Thank you, Naomi. We have Ellie. Ellie is a phenomenal, phenomenal leader. And he has been trained up by Isaac since he was a young man, Isaac is now retired. And Isaac, you have met. He's been here a couple of times. And actually, Ellie was here once. Ellie oversees the team in the ministry in Oringa. The second one we have is Titus. Titus has worked tightly with the Timothy II. And he is the one that takes the books that have been translated in the tenets of faith, and he goes out and he trains pastors. And then those pastors, in turn, train their associates, and it keeps going. And a lot of this takes place under trees, you need to understand. <laughs> but it's, it's the way they have their ministries and their churches, and then they're in concentric circles. It just keeps going further and further. And the next one we have, of course, is peace. So now where we are is we need a youth director because peace has these children that she's had since they were tiny, and now they're up and she is needing some help because typically the children's ministry will go from newborn up to about 22. And you just can imagine that doesn't work. So um, she called me up one day, and she says, Peggy, I am, I am just overwhelmed. I send them back into the church, and the church services go on for hours, and the kids just say they're not going to go anywhere. So I said, oh, that's time for phase two. Don't you remember we set up phases? And so phase two now is a youth director. So we have Charles, and Charles will start doing the same thing. He will start with a small group of youth and then keep spreading out and out and out across Oringa. Thanks, Peggy. Um, would you also just take a moment to share about why you believe this team, it's important for us to go? 
Now, obviously, a trip out to Oringa for a team to go visit is very expensive. Obviously, a trip doesn't come without its dangers, so we don't take that lightly. Can you just share why now? Why does the team need to go now? That's the major question in missions all over the world. There's many books that have been written on that question. Um, we're called to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts of the earth. The interesting thing is, is when we send a team out to the outermost parts of the earth, and for us it would be the West Nile, um, you've arrived in somebody else's Jerusalem. And that's an interesting thought if you think about it, because it's just somebody else's home where they're trying to serve the Lord. What we could do is we could bring that entire team here, but what purpose would that serve? And it, to sometimes it's even detrimental to bring them into such an opulent society. So the thing to do is to pack a team up and go to them because then we can encourage. We can encourage on their turf. I want, I, my prayer is that this team goes over and they are just a group of cheerleaders. And they can go, wow, look how God is blessing you instead of them bringing them here and saying, wow, look how God has blessed us. See the difference? And so, yes, it's expensive, but you know what? God doesn't put a price tag on anything. He pays his bills. God is a good God, and he is wanting this team to go and encourage. Thank you. Um, I'd like to invite the team, you saw them on the video, I'd like to invite them up to the stage. We have David Hartness, who will be going, he's an elder here at Myrtle Grove, he's also been along, I'm not sure how long, but for, he's been on the missions committee, do you want to just step out? Um, he's been on the missions committee for many years. And David's going to be going, and one of his big aims is going to be to just assess the progress in each of the areas that we're supporting right now, um, and to encourage them in those areas. Also, to, to build on relationship with Ellie Moses, who directs and oversees all of the work out there. Um, this is Buck Hubbard, for those of you that you don't know. And um, Buck did an amazing job on the, on the film for us today, so we're really grateful for that. And he's going to be going and um, he's going to be getting some video footage both for, for us here at Myrtle Grove and also for, for Timothy 2 Ministries. So he's an incredible videographer and we're really pleased that he's going to be on the team. Um, and then Buck's wife, April, she works here at the church in children's ministry and missions. And she's going to be going and going to be leading um, children's ministry workshops for peace and a whole bunch of her... Um, children's ministry workers. So um, we do have two more team members who are not here today, but we'll let them off because they're in Zambia. Um, I think I'm, many of you know Brian and Ann Slater, and we are so pleased they're going to be on the team, so they're going to be traveling out with us. So <clears throat> they, Brian is the director for Timothy 2 for Africa, so for those of you that don't know what Timothy 2 is and you're wondering what on earth I'm talking about, um, Timothy 2, their main aim 
is to go and to train up pastors, to train up pastors locally, and so that those pastors can go on and train um, other pastors and to disciple other pastors. So when I was talking earlier and we were talking about the discipleship ministry, it's been Timothy too, who I think it was about six years ago that partnered with us and have started going in, Steve and Rissa Curtis, directors of Timothy too. I've been to a ringer a couple of times with that purpose of training the pastors over there. And so Brian Slater will be coming and he will be doing a training with the pastors, um, with a group of pastors there. And his wife will be coming and she actually does children's curriculum training and she's going to be working with April and Helping Peace. So um, amazing team. And each of them have prayed and really sought the Lord and we really believe and know that God's pulled this team together. So we're really thankful for that. I'm going to let um, the team share some of our needs and some of um, our support needs. So I'm going to pass it over to David. I want to read a few verses from Revelation 7. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne of God and worshiped him, saying, Amen. Blessings and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And I want you to notice these next two verses. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. I could go on from there. The point that struck me about that this morning was, Somebody who's been through great tribulation, somebody who recognizes that they are lost and hopeless, and that God has loved them enough to send his son Jesus to save them, those people love much. He who has forgiven much loves much often have to look in my own heart and see how much am I praising and worshiping him? Have I been forgiven little in my mind because I'm pretty good to go here in, in the West? He who has forgiven much loves much. These people don't have much. And to Peggy's point, I think we're going to learn a lot about what it really looks like to celebrate and worship the Lord. So, We've got an opportunity for you all today. As was said on the video, we not only need your help to go, we need you to pray for us. We need you to give your money this morning or soon to help us go on this trip, April 5th through April 15th. But you need to give and pray as well because you get the chance to participate. We all get the chance to, to participate. It doesn't matter how much you have. There's a couple stories I've read somewhere, maybe you have too, about Jesus taking a few loaves and fish 
and multiplying them, that's not the point. They got to participate. You can write a check. You can give cash. I think we even have credit card slips that will be available as we celebrate in a luncheon after today, but we really do need your help. Last thing I was also thinking about this morning is when is the best time to pray? I was thinking it'd be great if we could just pick one time of day and that way it would be in your mind. So I thought, hey, how about in the AM? Because that's the Oringa mission. That's where AM comes from. And then PM is pray for the mission team. So there you go. AM, PM, we could use your prayers. We've got a brief video as well, I think, it's going to be shown. Okay. Um, just really quickly, I just want to mention something very brief about video. I think a lot of people sort of um, don't, think much, don't think highly of video or they think video people are hobbyists or whatever. Um, but there's an extraordinarily powerful use for video um, in, this, in this application. Um, Jesus, we know, taught in parables, and, and we know from the word that that was um, to hide the, the truth from arrogance, from the arrogant people and, and the know-it-alls, et cetera, and that, you know, the simple that even children could understand. Um, but I believe personally, as a storyteller myself, that he also spoke in parables because just delivering pure information for information's sake speaks to the head, but story really speaks to the heart, and the heart is where change happens. There are so few people, if you look up Oringa on Wikipedia, there's that much, and I think half of it's from Myrtle Grove. Um, so virtually nobody out there knows their story, um, but with the internet, with video, telling a story that's visual, um, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words, well, video is 24 frames per second, that's 24,000 words per second. Um, it's, it's incredibly powerful to uh, incite potentially change in this, as Peggy said, opulent society um, for a people group that they've never heard of before, um, or maybe they have through the Idi Amin uh, stuff that happened way back. Um, so anyway, video is, is not something to, to underestimate the, the importance, I believe, because of the internet now especially, um, but also the power and the potential for change that can be made anywhere in the world for this particular people group. Um, but also, very quickly, this is my other thing, these things we've been handing out these mor this, this morning, um, we would, we would hope, we're, we're asking that you guys would maybe even use this as a reminder whenever you see this. Who else besides me is guilty of occasionally saying, yeah, I'll pray for that, and you completely forget it. Well, hopefully this can be a visual reminder um, for you guys to keep us in your prayers, please, because there is crazy potential for danger. I'm not worried personally. I'm f fully believing the Lord has a, a great purpose for this, and I'm very excited about it. But if you guys would keep us in your prayers, it would, uh, would mean a lot, and it will do a lot. So thank you. And also on prayer, um, we have these awesome mugs that um, we hope you, each family, would take one home today. And um, every time you drink out of this and have your coffee, that you would remember to pray for the Aringa people and God's continued work and faithfulness in their lives. Um, so please grab one of these and take them home. They're 
Um, when you come into the lunch after church, you can grab one there, or there's some in the gathering place, too. Well, that's my cue, but I hope I am not supposed to finish that dance. <laughs> that would be disappointing in ways you can't even imagine. But, uh, but what a special day. What a special day for our church. I'm so glad that you all could be here to be a part of it. Um, I invite you to open your Bible with me to Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 41. Acts 2, 14 through 41. And if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, um, there's one provided for you in the back of the pew right there in front of you. You'll find a passage on either page 771 or 811 of the church Bible. And for those who did not receive our email on Friday, um, I mentioned that I'll take this passage in two parts, so the first this week and, uh, and then the second half next week. But with our Ringo celebration here being the, the centerpiece of this morning's um, service, my message today will be short, and then I'll go into greater depth next week. And so if you are visiting today, please accept this as my disclosure notice that my sermons are not usually this short. Uh, this is just the, the demo package here. And, uh, but because our time is short and the passage is long, we're going to go ahead and jump right in. And so let's look together now at Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 41. And if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. Beginning in verse 14, I'm reading from the English Standard Version here, the Word of the Lord. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams." Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains, pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. 
being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This, this Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Verse 36, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are afar off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word and were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Let's pray together. Well, Lord, we thank you for your word, and you know that it is our belief when the Bible is preached, your voice is heard, and so we do ask, as always, Lord, that you would speak your word by your spirit through your servant to your people for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. We saw in last week's passage and, and heard in that uh, sermon, the Holy Spirit was poured out on believers on the day of Pentecost. And Pentecost was uh, one of three national feasts where uh, Jew all Jewish men were supposed to go to Jerusalem to observe it. And so there were people, throngs of people who had come to Jerusalem at this time of year from all over the known world. And on that day, the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, as it told us there. And people from all these different nations were hearing them praise God in their own languages. And the sound of this, all of that commotion had drawn quite a sizable crowd. Um, as we just read here, uh, 3,000 of them were saved. That's a big crowd. And uh, some of those people wondered what all this meant that they were hearing. Some of them thought, uh, this group of men must be drunk. And it's in that context, Peter, uh, Peter preached the words that we just read. And, and from that uh, sermon that we just read from, I just want to um, skim right off of the surface here and look briefly at three basic principles for gospel proclamation. And they are, number one, be bold. Number two, use words. Number three, connect the dots. So first, be bold. Verse 14 says that the apostles are standing together there, and one of them stands up to be the spokesman. And who is it? It's Peter. The same Peter who denied Jesus three times 50 days earlier. But now, filled with the Spirit, Peter has a holy boldness about him, and he's the one who addresses the crowd. 
The, the same crowd, mind you, that insisted on the execution of Jesus. Right? This is Jerusalem. The city where the religious leaders plotted to put Jesus to death. Where they violated their own laws in order to bring that to pass. This is the crowd that Peter's speaking to, and he was not at all bashful. I want you to notice the sort of the evidence of his boldness in a couple of ways. Look at verse 23, where he says, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. He tells it just like it is. In verse 36, similar. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. The, the, the formerly fearful Peter who's denying he knows Jesus, making excuses and that thing, speaking to the previously violent crowd, says you crucified and killed him. He's bold. You know, I, I've, uh, I, I may have said this sometime before. Um, I love this quote that I he heard uh, some time ago that says, Christians around the world in many places fear the raised fist. In America, Christians fear the raised eyebrow. You know, what's going to happen to you? What are you afraid of? That somebody is going to laugh or scoff or say something mean, right? And this is, I mean, the risks for us in our own cultural context aren't all that great compared with Christians most places around the world, compared with Christians even right here in the first century. Yes, compared to the risks that our Oringa mission team has taken as they began this work and as they've continued this work. What we celebrate today, uh, in part, is the fruit of boldness in action, courage in action to take the gospel um, to where people need to hear it in spite of the risks. One of the basic principles of gospel proclamation is be bold. Number two, use words. Verse 14 says really what is obvious, I suppose, and should be obvious, that Peter lifted up his voice and addressed them. Now, many of us have heard a quote that's actually wrongly um, attributed to uh, Francis of Assisi, which says, preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. You're probably familiar with that one, right? Well, first of all, it turns out Francis of Assisi never said that. Uh, but secondly, even if he did, he was wrong because it is always necessary to use words to preach the gospel. The gospel is good news, not a good example. And, and yes, it is vitally important that our lifestyle uh, and actions line up with the words we speak. I wouldn't question that for a moment. But ultimately, there is a message that must be spoken so, so when you go through the line at the grocery store and, uh, you know, as soon as you get there, the cashier goes on break 
right? And they're swapping out the till and you wait for that and then uh, ring up something in error, forget your VIC card and then, you know, need a price check or whatever, you know, it's just inconvenience and you're just gracious and loving and you smile the whole time through that. Never will it be the case that the cashier says, you know, that, that woman really had every reason to get upset, but she was so nice and pleasant. I bet that means Jesus died on the cross for my sins <laughs> and, and rose on the third day that I would be reconciled with God. That will, that will never happen. Now, please, please do be patient and kind. Uh, especially if you're wearing your I Heart Myrtle Grove Presbyterian Church <laughs> T-shirt that day. Uh, smiling is better than frowning. Gracious is better than grumpy. Um, in fact, that, that really, it is a great place to start as we talk about living beyond, about living on mission all the time, beginning to cultivate new relationships with people and that sort of thing, then there's no better place to start than just modeling um, winsomeness, graciousness, love, kindness, and those kind of things. That's a, a wonderful place to begin. And sometimes that consistent love of that sort is the very thing that will lead to opportunities to share. But eventually, sharing the gospel requires us to use words. So be bold, number one. Number two, use words. And, and three, connect the dots. Notice that Peter connects his message with things that the hearers already know and believe. So in verses 17 through 21, he quotes from the prophet Joel. Down in verses 25 through 28, he quotes David from the Psalms. And then verse 22 says, men of Israel hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves no. So, so their, con their conception of truth, their worldview is grounded in the Old Testament scriptures, which are, by the way, the only scriptures really uh, that anybody has, I suppose, at that time. The others are being written in, in the process. Their, their conception of truth is grounded in the scriptures, so he starts with the scriptures, citing Joel and David. And then he appeals to things that they have observed to be true and that in their hearts they cannot deny. Now, they would like to suppress this fact, but they, they've seen the signs and wonders and miracles done through Christ. That's what he's calling. He's calling that to witness against them. You yourselves know this to be true, that he did these things. And then he, so he connects those beliefs and that knowledge that they have to the gospel message. And, and we'll see that as we move through the book of Acts, by the way. By the time we get to Acts 17, where Paul is on uh, Mars Hill preaching to a, a, a pagan um, population, he doesn't start with the Old Testament scriptures. They don't believe the Old Testament scriptures. But he starts with what they do believe. Okay, that's one of the principles there. Oh, a fundamental principle of leadership is that if you want to lead people anywhere, you have to start where they are. And if we want to lead people to Jesus, we have to start where they are. And, and here's the beautiful thing about that. That means we have to listen. You have to listen to people in order to know where they are. 
So as, uh, as Lance exhorted us a couple of weeks ago, if you were here for that message, um, heads up, on your toes, uh, notice people around you, believe that God is already at work in their lives, and then get curious to find out how. And then listen. Ask them questions, get curious to find out how, and then listen. You'll learn something um, about where they are in their life and their own convictions and all that kind of stuff. And if you know where they are and you start where they are, then you can lead them to Jesus. So uh, there are other things we could derive from this, but there, there are at least three principles of gospel proclamation that, that, that apply all the time. We'll see them applied a little differently depending on the context that they're in, even through the book of Acts. Um, but we always, if we're going to preach the gospel, if we're going to be a people who goes and lives on mission and tells about Jesus, we're going to have to be bold. We're going to have to use words and we're going to have to connect the dots for people. And so next week, as we, as we come back to this passage, we'll actually dig in um, a little bit deeper and look at the substance of the gospel message. What is it? Uh, as we commit to using words, which words? <laughs> what is it we need to say and what's the substance of the message uh, Peter preached? We'll come back to that, but again, given our um, celebration of the Aringa people today, um, I just needed to give you the demo package on Acts chapter 2, 14 through 41. And so I'm going to um, pray for us. And as I do, I'm just going to ask uh, some elders to come forward and be available for prayer at the end of the service. We'll pray and then I'll offer the benediction and we'll go right to our Oringa mission team lunch. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for this special day. We thank you, Lord, um, for what you have done through this church, that you have used people from this church to bring people to you on the other side of the world. We just marvel at the way you work and that you would use the likes of us, but we thank you for your faithfulness to do so. Lord, we, we thank you that the sacrifices have not been in vain, that there is fruit that continues to be born from that work. We thank you that the light of Jesus shines in a dark place um, and that, that even people around them, even the Muslim people around them, are seeing things that they too cannot deny about the reality of who Jesus is and what he does in the lives of people right there in their community. And Lord, we pray that you would um, equip, resource, and um, protect and bless the team that is preparing to go just uh, six or so weeks from now. And uh, Lord, would you just continue um, to water that soil uh, where those seeds have been planted, where the fruit is growing, and do so in a way where you are glorified. And Lord, stir something in our hearts afresh here in our congregation that we are not simply writing a check and dropping it in a box, although hopefully uh, we're committing to do that. But Lord, we're not just sending other people out to the uttermost parts of the world, but that we 
ourselves expect to be filled with the Spirit, to receive power, and to be witnesses ourselves right here in our own Jerusalem and in Wilmington. Lord, would you um, stir us up in a fresh way, uh, make us to be bold. Give us the words that we need to speak to people. Help us to listen and to understand them well, to connect the dots from where they are in their life to where Jesus is, ready to receive them. Equip us for that task, Lord, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. And if you'll stand,